Hello, this is Dr. Ned Hallowell, and welcome to my podcast, The Wonderful World of Different. Today, I have a favorite person of mine, first time guest on my podcast, but longtime friend and uh, just lovely lady, period, and real pioneer in the world of ADHD. And I am, I think, the only guest she's had on her podcast who's male. Her name is Tracy Atsuka, and her podcast is wonderfully titled ADHD for Smart-Ass Women. And Tracy is indeed a smart-ass woman. And um, she's host of that podcast. And listen to this statistic. With over a million and a half downloads, a million and a half downloads, it is ranked in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world on any subject. That's pretty darn impressive. Her listeners are quick-witted, high ability, and like Tracy, see their ADHD traits as more positive than negative. Tracy is also a certified ADHD coach who masterminds your ADHD brain is A-OK, which uses her patented care choreography system to help ADHD women discover their strengths, step into their purpose, and live to their potential. And it works. Her following is large for a good reason. Namely, she helps people, as I like to say, unwrap their gifts. Tracy graduated from no less than Georgetown Law School. That's my dog barking in the background. Don't let him bother you or distract you. Investigated cases for the US Securities and Exchange Commission and built a high-end women's wear company whose clients included Saks Fifth Avenue, Neiman Marcus, and Nordstrom. My goodness, what a multi, multi, multi-talented person to be able to prosecute for the SEC and then to be able to design women's clothing, which is about the most competitive business in the world, and have clients like Saks and Neiman Marcus and Nordstrom, golly, all so impressive and things that I could never even attempt. Thank you, Tracy, and welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so honored to be here. So thank you so much for having me. It's a real treat. And uh, we met on your podcast, right? Is that how we came together? Yes, we did. And you're one of two men, the oh. only other man yeah. with my son, Marcus. So yeah, yeah it's a big deal. And you know, yeah. I have certain rules and that's yeah. one of them, but yeah. of course we had to break it for you. Yeah, well, thank you. And I hope the ladies and women in your audience were enjoyed it. So I'm going to ask you the four questions I ask all guests, and then we'll go on from there. The first one is, you know, this being a podcast about the wonderful world of different, what is your favorite thing about being different? I would say it's the fact that I really have no fear. Let me stop for a second. I have fear of silly kind of ADHD things like monsters. This stuff in my head, I don't like to go to bed because then I have to be alone with my thoughts. I struggle to wash my face at night in the dark because mm -hmm. of weird things, because my eyes have to be closed and so my brain starts going. Mm -hmm. But I have no fear around those things that I'm really interested in that I really want to do. And I've always been like that. I'm, I'm wow. driven, I'm really curious, and I want to make a difference. So yeah. failure just 
intellectually, I should understand that, well, you could really fail. But for me, it's always, as long as I'm learning something, I'm okay. So you're, you're like most people with ADHD, you're driven by curiosity. I that, am. That's your motivator. You, you want to find things out. Yeah. And I'm not happy if I can't. And fear just doesn't get in your way. No. And I, I have the standard that, which is sort of silly, but I always ask myself, will this be, if nothing else, let's say I fail, I fall on my face. Will this be a good conversation, like a cocktail conversation? Uh-huh. And if it'll be something that's interesting that I learned something from that, you know, I know I can talk to people and they would think, ah, she did that. Uh-huh. Then I'll go for it. That's wonderful. It, uh, you know, after 9-11, I was asked to go on various TV shows and give advice. And I asked my daughter at the time, she was only 13, what I should say. I didn't know what to say. And she said, Daddy, tell people don't hold back on life out of fear. And it was just uh, 13. Where did you come up with that, Lizzie? But it's so true. And you have never held back on life out of fear. That's just, a, it's a, an incredible gift because so many people do. Obviously, I had a law degree. I was practicing law. And I'm sure my parents, I have fantastic parents, but I'm sure they were just aghast, right? Yeah, yeah. That I would throw all that away and go try something else, let alone clothing design, which, as you said, you know, that in the restaurant business, oh my God, it's just fraught yeah. with failure. But they never did. You know, they, I could tell that they were a little concerned, but they never said, oh my gosh, please don't do that. They probably knew better though, right? Well, you didn't throw it all away. You just moved on to the next challenge. But you know what I'm saying. I know, of course. You know, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. if you spend that amount of time studying for, you know, one career, I had only been working in it for about five years. Yeah. But it was long enough, you know, that I figured out that, oh, my gosh, I, I didn't hate law. I'm so grateful for my law degree because yeah. it really teaches you how to think differently. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I I wasn't passionate about it. Yeah, well... You Not only do you follow your curiosity, but you follow your passion. I do. My next question, what does different mean to you? So different means being original, definitely not being afraid to challenge the status quo. I think as ADHD women, and I'm no difference because I'm no different in this, I believe that we have this desire to make things better, to live to our potential, to live a life of meaning when we can't do that. I think we're kind of miserable. What I realized, I was thinking about, you know, your wonderful world of different. And I intellectually knew this, but you know how you can know something but not really know it? I never realized that I am always the outsider. Mm -hmm. So I find a problem, I see a need, and then I fill it. And that's what happened with the clothing design company. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no business doing it. I didn't even know how. To, I had to take a class in fashion illustration because I had hired a designer to help me, but I didn't like what she was doing. So I had to learn how to do it myself. And I just, again, I, you know, I was working as a lawyer. I saw that there was a need and, you know, they'd have at the time it was Giorgio Armani and Calvin Klein. It was this very simple look. Uh-huh. And those suits were $2,500. And then they'd hang $1,500 blouses next to it. Now, <laughs> I was a baby lawyer, so I couldn't afford those suits. Right. But a lot of the partners that came through that, you know, we would do depositions, they would be seated on the other side of the table right. and um, they would comment. Or what I noticed is that all the blouses were 
really expensive and they weren't appropriate for uh, a business setting. So that's uh -huh. kind of how I started it all. But uh -huh. again, I had no idea what I was doing. Well, you clearly did. You, I mean, you, you, but you didn't have any preconceptions, you know, that you didn't have any mold that you had to fit. Well, this is perfect for your podcast and this whole idea of being different. Yeah. I sold my difference. I was coming from outside, right? I was yeah. a lawyer. I wasn't a fashion designer. I didn't. And they bought off on it. They really liked it. And within eight months, we were in Saks, Neiman's and Nordstrom and invited to all the top shows. And I'm still not sure, you know, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. The same thing with cartography, you know, mm -hmm. my patented program. I wasn't a career counselor. I wasn't a sociologist. I wasn't a therapist. But mm -hmm. again, from, from the time that I graduated from law school, I was always wanting to know that what do I do with my life question? I wanted mm -hmm. to answer it. And everything was just all over the place. I, you know, I read books, I did seminars, I'd have little notes and margins, but notes and notebooks, but nothing coordinated mm -hmm. so that it made sense. So it was useful for me. There was no structure. Mm -hmm. So I did that ADHD podcast. I remember when I told my mom I was going to do the podcast, she looked at me and she said, Tracy, you are not a doctor. I know, mom, I'm not a doctor. But within a year, I had psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists that were referring the podcast. And again, I was looking for something that wasn't there. Same thing with the Facebook group. I wanted to talk to other women that were like me and compare mm -hmm. notes. And there were a lot of ADHD Facebook groups, but they could get really negative and depressing. And I'm an eternal optimist. And so I wanted a forum where it was strength focused. And so what we still do, I've got a dozen fantastic mods. They get nothing for this and admins. We approve all of our posts. And that is the only way that we can be different, right? Uh -huh, that we can uh -huh. keep it strength focused. Yeah. So I don't think that I'm much different than most people with ADHD, I think that, or even any neurodiversity, right? There's always something that's just brilliantly different with us. And I, I really believe that our brilliance is our difference. Absolutely. And you mentioned cartography, your patented process. Do you tell listeners about that? What is it exactly? By well, the way, it's core, not car. It's core, C-O-R-E, cartography. Yeah. So, Ned, you know that when you have to explain the name of something, it is a poorly named product, right? <laughs> so think of core, right? Your core yeah. and then cartography, yeah. map. Yeah. So mapping your core. So it's our LLC. I don't really use the term cartography anymore, other yeah. than the fact that that's the program that I developed or received the patent on. But what it basically is, is so for those of us with ADHD brains, especially, but I developed this before I was officially diagnosed, we struggle to make diff uh, to to make decisions mm -hmm. and we struggle to make decisions because we have these interest driven brains mm -hmm. and you know ideation like all these different ideas all at the same time mm -hmm. right we don't have a deficit of attention i hear you say this all the time we have a surplus right. so which of the many decisions that are floating around in our brains is the one that we're actually going to pursue mm -hmm. and so i suddenly realized that the reason why i was always asking that what do i do with my life question I wanted to know desperately, what exactly do I value? What are my passions? I kind of knew my passions, but what is my purpose? How are they all connected? And so that's why I created it. But for our brains, we need something that's step-by-step, -step, that's structured, right. that there's right. a beginning, a middle, and an end, because guess what happens if we don't have that? 
if you're anything like me, you totally forget what you learned about yourself, <laughs> right? Until the next big decision comes up. So that's why I created Cortography, but also your ADHD brain is A-OK. And my premise is that 25% of answering that, what do I do with my life question is discovering what is it exactly that I value? What are my strengths? What are my passions and my purpose? And then there's a little bit of talents and skills in there as well. Mm -hmm. So that's the foundation. But the other 75% of answering that, what do I do with my life question is becoming more of that 25%, right? So we have to get into action. You talk about this all the time, you know, the default mode network versus the task positive network. When we're in action, we're happy. But who cares if you're in action, because we're in action a lot, if you're working on the wrong thing. It's like being on the tallest tree in the forest and you're in the wrong damn forest. (laughs) So that really is what the system was built around. That's wonderful. And if somebody wants to access it, how do they how do they get to it? Uh, well, we only run it a couple times a year. So they would go to tracyotsuka.com and sign up and we'll let them know the next time we're going to move forward with it. But thank you for asking. No, and, and if you are wondering how to spell Otsuka, it's O-T-S-U-K-A. It is. What is the hardest part of your difference? And your difference, of course, is ADHD. I'm not particularly good in a group. So you probably don't want me on your board or your committee if the goal is to just do what what's always been done. I have tried many times. I find it just impossible to follow old rules because mm-hmm. my just innately, I always want to make things better. And so I get really frustrated. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine if I'll tell you a story. So when my daughter was first born, I decided I had to do some sort of volunteer thing. And so I decided someone came to me and asked me, would you please volunteer for the, our local mother's club board? And so I did. And they wanted me to be the social coordinator because my password at that time for everything was Martha Stewart West. I was really good at those domestic arts kind of things and uh-huh. really good at entertaining, really good at throwing parties, especially kids parties because creativity, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they wanted me to be the social coordinator. So I would put together all the events, you know, everything that we did, the kids events, the adult events. And I just hated the way the events were being done. You know, it was Mm -hmm. hot dogs and brownies in a box. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I remember it was one of these, you know, board meetings, which would go on for hours. And I was just like. They're named board for a good reason. Yes, right. (laughs) I was just jumping out of my skin. And I literally said to these women, okay, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to put a list together. I'm going to go into Bon Appetit and Gourmet, and then I'm going to assign everybody different. And you should have seen their faces, right? They're just like, (laughs) who is this nut? That's the kind of stuff I would do because I'm always looking to make things better. I would say that. And then the other thing is my brain isn't always reliable. I would love to have a reliable brain. So one time medication worked for me one time. And I'm so eternally grateful because now I know how other people, specifically women, because that's who I work with, how they feel when they discover a medication and it works. I struggle. So if you asked me to prepare a prepared speech that, you know what I'm trying to say, I couldn't do it. I cannot memorize anything. And since I was in eighth grade before that, I could memorize anything. Since I was in eighth grade, I cannot memorize anything. You have to add live. I have to ad lib. And that's stressful, right? Because I'm always afraid I'm going to forget something. But the one time I was prescribed Ritalin 
And I remember I had to give a speech, couldn't remember it. It was like I took the riddle and the skies opened up and I literally was able to recite that speech verbatim, word for word, five times in a row. The minute the riddle in was gone, I couldn't do it again. And it never worked again. Kind of depressing. Well, you're doing pretty well. One last question before we ad lib more. Uh What do you wish everyone could know about your difference, namely ADHD? I think that because of pioneers like you, and you've been on this probably close to 20 years, right? And it's finally really starting to take as far as the strength-focused view of ADHD. More like 40 years. Oh, geez. I'm thinking of driven (laughs) to distraction. That that came out in 1994. So I can't do math. Yeah, that's like 25 years. But then the 15 years leading up to that was when I was really learning about it and realizing the medical model only got half the picture. So But anyway, so yeah, saying that this can be a strength if you manage it right. And I think that society in general, people are starting to really understand or starting to see, I'm not sure about understand, but starting to see that difference can be an advantage, not only in life, but also in business. If we're in our strengths, practicing our strengths in an area we're interested in, in an environment where people love and respect us the way we are, I think the sky's the limit. And Of the thousands of ADHD women that I've had the privilege of meeting, I have truly never met a single one of them that was not brilliant at something. And I I remember I asked you this back at the beginning of the year, and I just read 2.0. And if you haven't read that book, you need to go buy it. I mean, my women love it because- It is so strength focused. And I remember asking you, have you ever met someone with ADHD who wasn't brilliant at something? And you said no. And that just kind of gave me carte blanche to to really go with, you know, what I what my message was. So I believe that your difference is 100 percent your brilliance. And I do believe that industry is starting to understand that. I want to tell you a quick story. You know, my son, Marcus, has ADHD and he got into NYU through the back door, through Mm -hmm. his music. And last year, he's a sophomore now, last year he decided, I want to go into economics. Mm -hmm. And so he applied to the economics program and got in, but has always thought, well, the only reason I got in is because I got in on my music, you know, Mm -hmm. initially to NYU. And so he decided he's a sophomore, I guess, normally internships. He's interested in investment banking, which is, you know, you're kind of like ADHD investment banking. Anyway, there's a lot of them, believe me. There's I know. So he decided that I'm going to apply for an internship my sophomore year, went up against 870 applications. And ultimately, because of he said, the only way I'm going to be able to compete, mom, is I go with my difference. So when they're asking the kids, okay, well, what do you do for fun? And they're all saying, oh, I'm the president of the IB, you know, club at Dartmouth. Marcus was like, I mix and master music for rappers. So (laughs) he just totally went with his difference. But also, man, the way they it was a three and a half hour interview and he had to prepare a presentation. And so he found something about um, not global footprint. I can't remember what the word is. uh, Carbon footprint Mm -hmm. and did all this research, didn't do anything they asked him to do, did something totally different. In Mm -hmm. any case, he got one of the uh, three spots out of 870 kids. But my point is they tested him. The second level, they used something called Pymetrics. Uh So what they were doing was they were testing for personality traits Uh that match their most successful existing employees, which that's amazing because it means that employers are starting to understand 
that really top grades and um, really good test scores, they're not always a marker for success in the not room. Not at all. Right? Not at all. They, and they don't measure creativity, originality, yeah. drive, you know, imagination, yeah. all those things that ultimately make the biggest difference. Well, now let me ask you about women. Yeah. Because that's your career, or this phase of your career has been centered on women's, particularly smart-ass women. What do you wish the world knew about women, in particular women with ADHD? Oh, so we're going to get into some of the social stuff. I think that women struggle so much more than men with ADHD generally because of all the social requirements that they feel like they have. So not only do they need to manage a career, but then they are responsible for managing the household and managing the children and making sure they get their homework done and dinners on the table. And it is changing. I certainly have a husband who meets me more than, you know, 50% of the way. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, the only reason I can do what I've been able to do is because I have a husband who's mm -hmm. willing to pick up in truth, he's, he picks up more than 50%. He's mm -hmm. a banker, so he's a very linear brain. And he just, you know, he knows everything that needs to be done and is constantly reminding me. But if I had to do all those things that I was just talking about, I mean, those are not my strengths. Granted, I'm really good at some of the domestic arts. I'm a really good yeah. decorator. I'm a really good party thrower. But the day-to-day -day things, oh my gosh, I can't do them at all. You married the right person. And you know, I read somewhere right after I was married or maybe right before that 90% of your happiness is who you marry. And I know that someone else cannot be responsible for your happiness. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that, mm -hmm. but I'm saying that if you marry someone who loves and respects you exactly the way you are mm -hmm. and isn't trying to put you in a mold, right? Mm -hmm. That you need to be doing this and doing that. If you don't do that, you're not successful as a woman or successful just as a human. I can't remember where I was going with that, Ned. It's my brain. No, <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say, Yeah, there's right? this, the importance of, you know, I always say marry the right person and find the right job. And you, you've done both of those. And, and uh, let me ask you, you know, your specialty is smart-ass women with ADHD. The biggest undiagnosed group of people with ADHD are adult women. Why do you suppose that is? Well, what I hear a lot and I think you hear this too, but the fear that I hear in my, I've got a lot of groups, you know, a lot of my AOK -okay groups, but then mm -hmm. our big 53,000 plus member group, I hear all the time, the fear they have around even going to try to get a diagnosis because they're so panicked that the doctor's not going to believe them. The doctor's going to think that they want drugs. And that's the only reason that, you know, they're coming to be diagnosed. And sadly, there are a lot of women who do go and they have those experiences. Well, and, so, and not only that, most doctors just don't even know how to recognize it. So most of the time, I go as far as say 90% of the time, if a woman goes for help, she'll get diagnosed with depression or anxiety or both yep. and given an SSRI, which is not what she needs. And it happens over and over again. I think people generally don't know what ADHD actually looks like in the right. real world, yeah. but with women where, you know, they're double twice as likely to be diagnosed with inattentive. I mean, clearly yeah. I'm not inattentive, yeah. but there are a lot of women that are. Yeah. Yeah. And so they never in a million years think that, oh, maybe that's ADHD. And, you know, someone told me the other day, there's a 
a book in England that just came out and it, it so fits our specialty. The title is Diagnosis is Rebirth. And for ADHD, it is so true. Don't you find these women who have been struggling with it their whole lives and not known what they were struggling with and they hit age 30, 40, 50 and get, and they are truly reborn. It's, it's they, a new person swings into view. I am blown away with how quickly women's lives can do a complete 180. Yes. Once they know it's ADHD, they get treatment for ADHD, but beyond that, they start to understand their brains and how their brains work. I mean, I have one uh, young woman, her name's Emerald. She actually came through AOK. And I remember the first time, you know, we were, we were talking in a group and she said, She's just the most horrible mother. This woman's a therapist, right? And she's an outstanding therapist who specializes in trauma, especially sexual trauma. And she is so passionate about her clients. And she's a fantastic mother, but she just had in her mind because she wouldn't do the things that you're supposed to do or that society tells you you're supposed to do as a good mother, that she sucked as a mother. And it was almost like because she sucked as a mother, she also sucked as a therapist. It was the weirdest thing. And the minute she figured out who she was exactly, what she valued, what was important to her, what her strengths were, literally, it was four weeks in. And I'm watching the news and I knew she was really into social and political justice and she's Uh part Asian. And it was when a lot of um, Asian people were because of what was going on with COVID. Yeah, they were, you know, getting harassed and and worse. And I I turn on the news and there she is with the mayor. She's in Silicon Valley somewhere. I can't remember what town. There she is on the evening news with the mayor. She wasn't in a protest. She was leading a protest of thousands of people in a month of just seeing herself in a different way. And it's so true. I mean, it, it's so liberating. I mean, I think it's why you and I are so passionate about what we do. I mean, we really do bring rebirth, you know, and, and whether it's a six-year-old or a 60-year-old. And and, uh, and women, you, your audience, they're the biggest undiagnosed group. You're doing such amazing work, Tracy. It's really wonderful. Well, and the um, thing is, once they figure out what their area of interest is in, and they go out and do it, they discover that they're better than anybody else at it. Yeah, no, exactly. Oh, they- and all the things they're not good at, who cares? You, you've got in the in 2.0, I call it find your right difficult. Yes. You know, it, it has to be difficult or we get bored. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be in your wheelhouse or we won't feel motivated. But once you right. find your right difficult, you know, I found mine in 12th grade, it was writing. And um, Yours, you've got several right difficulties. You, you know, you went from one to the next to the next. And, and uh, I think that's true. It's it just we need to reach all those people who haven't been reached, Tracy. We need to reach all those people who really are one diagnosis away from a whole new life. You're, and it's, you're... you know, I have a doctor who was on my podcast. Yeah. She was in her residency and she had been on ADHD medication because she had ADHD. And um, she went to go refill her prescription. And one of the chief, what do you call them? Is it the chief resident? Yeah, or a chief resident or an attendant. The guy who, and it was a man who, you know, controlled all that or ran all that. And he looked at her and he said, don't you know anything? You grow out of ADHD. You shouldn't be on that medication anymore. This was within the last five years. So yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done, I think. There's a lot that's also, I really do feel like people are slowly starting to get it. Oh, they are. They are. I mean, it's so, when I first learned about ADHD back, it was called ADD back in 1981. People doubted that it was real. They thought it was some lame excuse, you know, and and, um, 
we've come a long way in those 40 years, but uh, thanks to people like you, Tracy. It's, uh, well, start with you. Well, this has been wonderful. I, um, I can't thank you enough. And uh, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to say to the listeners? Well, you are a pioneer a visionary, a brilliant mind. But what people might not know about you is that as brilliant and inspiring as you are, you are kinder, more generous, more humble by a factor of 10. And you've changed so many lives, not to mention my son's life. We started with Driven to Distraction. And I think it's exponential, right? We then become your disciples and we go out and spread this strength focus word and, you know, so on and so on. And that's how difference works. We kind of seek each other out. We find each other and then we affect even more change. So just thank you for everything you've done, not just for me personally, but obviously for for ADHD and the cause, the difference. Bless you, Tracy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And thank you for coming on uh, my wonderful world of difference. I've listened to every episode. I just love it because it's so... It's so positive and optimistic and strength-focused, and I'm the eternal optimist. Well, you sure are, and you live it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.